Hello and welcome to Babelfish. My name is Christina Kern and I'm your host. This podcast tells the life stories of non-believers around the world. Good day and welcome to this episode of the podcast where I'm meeting with Andrew. And how do you pronounce your last name? Mucha. Mucha. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would say Mukisha, but that's they're all they're all same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm still in Uganda, talking to humanists. And uh, can you uh, tell me a bit about yourself, Andrew? Um. Well, I'm um, 35 years. Um, I grew up in the central region, Kampala, yeah. with both my parents. We grew up in a fairly strongly religious environment yeah though in practice uh, my parents were not that much religious but they did take us to church and uh, we were forced to adhere to most of the religious practices what what church catholic or protestant both okay um we were born into the catholic church yeah because our father was catholic at the time later on he converted and became a an anglican okay so we all followed along. Um, later in life, I made a personal decision to join the Pentecostal movement. And I'm not familiar with that one. Um, well, that's uh, the Pentecostal movement. You have uh, the people who believe in the Holy Spirit and mm. manifestations of, of the Holy Spirit okay. and things like that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You have the likes of Benin or, you know, in other countries. Yeah, okay. Yes. So we have a few versions of our own here. Okay. Yes. So mm. I joined um, a number of them. Mm. Yes. And um, <coughs> life was generally um, hard for us at home because our father, in as much as he subscribed to religion, was a fairly violent uh, man. Okay. Yes. Um we grew up in fear of him yeah. as a father and our lives were traumatized okay. in, in many ways because we we noticed a lot of um, violence at home okay then you go to school you also violated there as well at that time they used to beat us quite a lot okay so the and the teachers yes okay. the teachers used to beat us quite a lot so there was a lot of trauma growing up, both yeah. at home and at school. And in a way, we felt uh, caged as children growing mm. up. You feel like you're caged and you have to do this, you have to do that, or else you are going to be beaten to a pulp and etc. Yeah. Yes. I, I remember twice at school, I was um, suspended twice. Okay. For telling a few people about Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was a Catholic founded school and okay. it was illegal to convert somebody from the Catholic Church to, uh. to another faith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was suspended twice and mm. um when I, when I got home I I did get a serious beating from my father. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> So you were beaten both at home and at school. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was it was a very uncomfortable situation, I mm. think, for a person growing up like that. And later on, as I grew up, I made personal decisions of my own, mm. which were also both religious and non-religious. For instance, I decided not to be confirmed in the Anglican Church. Yeah. 
it was a personal decision that I made against the wish of my parents. And what age is that you have to decide? I was about 13 okay. at the yeah. time. And um, I told my parents that I did not believe in the confirmation practice because mm-hmm. it is not written anywhere in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They beat me up for it, but I refused <laughs> anyway. So yeah, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I stuck to my mm-hmm. to my decision. I said, no, I'm not going there because I don't see its relevance. Mm-hmm. So I was religious all the way up to um, my adulthood. Um, finished university, still remained religious. Mm. I was... I'm very active in the church. Uh, uh, there was a local community church mm-hmm. near home. I was very active there. Um, I became a worship team leader in that same church. Okay. Joined the leadership team of the same church. I married a very beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. Um, got very beautiful children. All this done <coughs> still while I was very religious. Okay. But along the way, there are many questions that mm-hmm. I started to ask myself. Um, questions, for instance, uh, things like why certain prayers were never answered. Yeah. And I started to notice a, a, a simple pattern that until I did something for myself, I was never going to get an answer. It didn't matter how many times I prayed mm. or fasted or did any of those things that promised in the Bible yeah so slowly by slowly I subconsciously I started to realize that mm. I had to do certain things if I wanted to get certain results yeah and that slow gradual dependence upon myself um, created a, a gentle shift away from my Dependence on God. Okay, so it was a slow change. It was a very slow yeah. change. I started to realize that my actions or the results that I needed in life did not depend on God, but rather what I do. Yeah. <coughs> so I became a, a little less dependent mm-hmm. on God. Yeah. And I started to believe more in my own actions. And Slowly, I drifted away from praying too much for the things that I needed. Yeah. <laughs> and I started to to believe more in myself. I can okay. do this mm-hmm. if I want, if I want A, B, C, D. Yeah. However, what created the actual landmark in my life mm. that I can actually point to and say, I think this is the point when I decided to move away <coughs> from religion was the time when my pastor lost his two-year-old baby. Yeah. Um, he, she was burnt. Oh, and, okay. And when she was burnt, we, we, we took her to hospital, but her condition was very critical. Yes. And she needed um, intensive care. Mm. Unfortunately, we tried our best to man all the resources we could. But we, we could not afford the intensive care okay. because it needed a minimum of about 10 million shillings for the child, just for the child to be admitted, for them to finally sign and say we're admitting the child into intensive care, needed about 10 million shillings. That's roughly maybe around 2,000 pounds. Mm. That's yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Mm. So we, as a small community church, we couldn't afford it. 
Wow. And um, even the, the, the founders of the church who are from Bath City mm. couldn't man the resources to, okay. to, yeah. do, to do it. Not that they couldn't afford it. They could mm. because um, occasionally they always send money for several other things. And to me, I thought this was an emergency that perhaps they could attend to very fast. So we did our best to pray because yeah. the money we had was little and uh, the child was managed in hospital okay. locally mm. but eventually she died. Yeah. And for me that was the landmark point because I now started to ask uh, myself um, more serious questions. Mm. Why God couldn't save the life of this child? Yeah. Knowing the circumstances I mean, if we have tried our best and we failed, I'm sure God can chip in that mm. bone and <laughs> save the life of this child. <coughs> but he did not. No. So I was asking myself so many questions. Is it that he didn't care? Mm. Is it that he could not? So those are the kind of questions that started to create a shift in yeah. my mind. Yeah about the priorities hmm. of God and maybe his actual motives. And because of these questions, now I started to read the Bible again yeah. with hmm. a different perspective. Okay. I was looking for answers. I wanted to find out exactly why things were happening to people the way they're happening. Hmm and why God was irresponsive to those kind of needs. And as I read through the Bible from the very first book of Genesis, from the stories of Noah, to the stories of Abraham and Isaac, mm. to the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah, yes. to the stories of um, the prophet Samuel uh, commanding Saul to go and massacre an, an entire nation of people, <coughs> I started to realize that maybe I did not know God <laughs> as much as I did. Mm. Because as a father, I know that I would fight for my children. I would die for them. I would do everything to protect my children for as long as I have the capacity to do so. Yes. But now we're talking about a God who has all the might, almighty, all powerful, all knowing, but is incapable of dealing with simple human basic needs yeah. and situations. Okay. So that was the landmark for me. I started to question the character yeah. and the motives of the person I knew as God, the being I knew as God. Okay. And at that point, the moment I started to question his character, everything else fell apart. Yeah. All my beliefs yeah. fell apart. Yeah, because it was based on that. Yes, yeah. because they were all based on him mm. as a father, as a loving father. And the moment that crumbled, then mm. my entire foundation <laughs> of faith yeah. disappeared. Yeah. So that, that is, must have been tough. It was very, it was very tough. Yeah. It was. I would call it very depressing for yeah. me. Actually, it took me uh, about years while I was suffering that mm. depression yeah. internally 
until I reached the point of saying, I think I need to reach out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it took me some time to really heal from that pain of knowing I have believed a lie all my entire life. Yeah. It was very traumatizing. And um, for starters, not only are you traumatized as, a, as an individual, but then you start to lose friends. Yeah. Little by little. Yeah. Because you can no longer associate with some of the things that you used to do. Mm. Like you used to go to church, you used to go for you know, choir practice, you used to do all these other things. Yeah. And suddenly, you no longer have the interest. Yeah, you don't the have desire. the community to so be you a lose, part of. Yeah. You lose that community. Mm. And when you lose that community, now you have to make new friends yeah. <laughs> out of the blue. And what's worse is that you can, you can no longer express yourself before your family mm. because... They will shun you. Yeah, you live more or less like an outcast, something okay. like that. Yeah, and so it it was a very traumatizing situation. Yeah, my wife is uh, was is also of the same faith. Yeah, still is of the same faith. Okay, she, <laughs> she has not yet moved away from there. So it took me a very long while mm. to even tell her that this is exactly how I feel about about God. Yeah. Because I knew it would break her heart. Yeah. And and you see, you see as human beings these are the things some of the things that we do yeah. <laughs> when you love someone you do not want to make them emotionally, you know? Yeah. Um low. So you you want to keep everything under the carpet, yeah. which sometimes is very difficult because she will say, let's go to church, and you don't feel like going to church. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe let's take our children for baptism, yeah. and you don't think it is right for you to take your children for baptism. Yeah. So there is that conflict, and in as much as you may not want to conflict with her, you can't avoid it. Yeah. Yes. It's very. It's a. It's very difficult. Sometimes you find maybe you have the business contact, and he backs out because he thinks you're no longer religious enough. Mm. <laughs> but the things you are doing were completely non-religious. The yeah. business yeah. had nothing to do with. But it religion. has an influence. But because it has an yeah. influence okay. on your thoughts yeah. and your actions, then it starts to think you're not religious enough to be in a partnership. Or even to have a job, yeah. No. So those are some of the things that um, personally I have suffered mm. along the years, and slowly I think I would say now it's around the fifth year. Ever since I mm. finally realized that this whole religious thing for me mm. was no longer working, slowly I have built up my own independence. Yeah on how to survive. Because you have to find another way to survive. Yes. Earning money and... Exactly. Okay. And um, even friends. I've had to get completely new set of friends. Yeah. Um, The first being a a group of atheists that I I found out about two years ago. Yeah. From Facebook, actually. From Facebook. (laughs) I think some social media might be... uh, be a good way mm. uh, 
to no. find uh, sure, non-believers. It, yeah, it is. I was um, having a, a a small conversation with uh, a friend of mine, who is a pastor, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody that I actually did not know, but seemed to be a Facebook friend of this other of of, of, of this pastor friend of mine. Mm came in to back up my arguments. Yeah, okay. Interesting, yeah. So along the way, we realized, he realized that I had about the same thoughts about religion as he did. So he gave me an invitation okay. to um, a WhatsApp group that he had formed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So I got there and I found a whole bunch of people that completely didn't believe in God and yeah. for me it was a shock because I couldn't believe that you thought you were the only <laughs> one or okay I thought I was the only one here yeah I thought that maybe people like me were only outside yeah out there not <laughs> <laughs> not in Uganda it was inconceivable to me yeah. that in Uganda you can not have religious faith okay yeah which is what most uh, religious people believe yeah I think it's it's practically impossible that yeah. a person can be completely non-religious. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> but I found them a very good gentleman called um, Donald Mugarva. Mm. Hopefully you'll meet him today. <laughs> yeah, I'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, from that, that is when I now started to have a sense of belonging. Yeah. That I was I was not alone, and that I can actually survive the ills of this world without a God mm. on my side. Okay. Yes. So it helped me a great deal. And um, I'm really grateful for people like him, mm. for people like Kato, because these are the people I found there on that group and we've shared a lot Yeah. about family, about children, about our, our wives, mm. about um, our fathers and mothers. How are we going to, you know, love them still respect them yeah but also at the as, at the same time still live our lives as total non-believers yeah. and at, uh, at times you find that we all consider there are certain compromises we have to make because for them it's it's, it's a do or die thing yeah. whereas for us it doesn't really matter whether mm. i do it or not i know nothing mm. comes out of it yeah yeah so it is now us that sometimes have to make the compromise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we know it doesn't really matter. Mm. Even if I knelt down and pretended to pray, yeah. nothing will change no. on me. No. Yeah. <laughs> but for them, they strongly believe that if they did, something mm. will happen. Yeah. <clears throat> so and something bad will happen. Yeah. So we find that we have to make some of those compromises mm. once in a while. Yeah. Like when you have family gatherings, they might ask you to pray mm. because you always had you always did pray anyway mm. back then yeah <laughs> so they ask you can you have a can you please pray for us and mm. so you go through the routine yeah. blah 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 then when you're done <coughs> basically yeah. done so in short that is um how i have come from how i was yeah. strongly religious <laughs> to how i am now um totally non-religious yeah i do not know if there is any other word i think um the word atheist for me is only a label to find a comfortable yeah <laughs> situation <laughs> for what we we really are but 
which is move i don't believe in, in yeah. god i don't believe in any god and i do not think that even if a god existed i should believe in him no okay yeah even if even if science one day proves yes. there is a god you wouldn't believe yeah i still wouldn't believe yeah. because now i see that they lack relevance mm. to human life yeah so if they lack relevance to human life then we don't owe them any no we don't owe them anything mm. or any form of worship yeah. or whatever yeah so that is what i believe now okay and um because my shift away from religion was mostly about the character of god and about how he cared about humanity i have tended to associate myself more with humans because they have the values that i mm. actually um prefer yeah that we can all be good yeah with or without god ethics and morality it and, does yeah. not matter yeah morality is not based on what a god decides no but it, i think it has a long line of of reasons why certain people see morality the way they do mm. and society i think somehow shapes some of these decisions mm. some are superstitious others are logical i prefer going with the logical <laughs> reasons yeah. as to why we should do certain things mm. i don't want to have to be told that a certain god said you have to do this mm. if i can't think it out by myself i don't see why a god should tell me that killing is bad no and then go ahead and tell a certain prophet to go and kill no <laughs> yeah <laughs> so those are some of the contradictions morality for me has become a bit of a, a sticky issue mm. yes yeah. ever since i made that shift away i started to realize that i did not know morality as well as i did because i knew morality based on the biblical principles mm. but now i realize that as human beings we do certain things for certain reasons even as countries nations that yeah. have different laws they do certain things for different reasons yeah. and maybe that is what shapes their sense of morality yeah, yeah. i think yeah so it's a very gray area for me <laughs> yeah. i don't yeah. i don't really have much to talk about it no yeah, so okay that's basically yeah are you involved in the humanist organization or is it, do you have participate in any projects or anything well being near to Alia for mm. instance I have opened myself up to, to the kind of work they do yeah and um I hope Kato will be able to tell us where we can yeah contribute or chip in or help in ETC so being new to the whole uh, Halia project mm. thing, I haven't contributed much yet okay yeah but I'm open okay to the yeah. to the idea and um there is another organization uh, that has just been set up mm. almost uh, having the same values okay but more of a free thinkers you know yeah free thinkers uh, club okay. where you can openly share ideas on any topic mm. maybe girl child education maybe abortion Yeah. Maybe same sex um, relationships. Mm. Yeah. Basically for us to 
open our minds mm. and um, think about humanity as it is. Yeah. And yeah. maybe that is the starting point. Yeah, and discuss different topics. Yes, and discuss yeah. different with an open mind. Yes, with yeah. a totally open yeah. mind about okay. so many issues. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Then I ho- I think projects will come on from there. Yeah. Yes. Do you see um, because I know there's not that many non-believers openly non-believers in uh, Uganda. Mm. Do you see um, do you see that that will change in the future or um I think in the future eventually we will make that shift. Yeah. Just like um some other nations have done. But it will take a very, very long time. Yeah. Because for you to edge out that um, religious bracket mm. from where it is today, yeah, we are probably above ninety percent religious. Yeah. For you to edge out that bracket to a considerable minimum will take ages. Yeah. <laughs> generations, <laughs> maybe. Take generations. Yeah. So many generations. <clears throat> so perhaps for me, my wish is to see. A more tolerant society first, yeah, where people who identify either as religious or non-religious can be able to do things together without victimizing or discriminating each other on on mm. beliefs. Yeah, for me that would be a good starting point. Okay, yeah, because for me it's interesting that that it's worse to be a non-believer. Mm. Than to believe in something else. Than to be exactly in Uganda. Yes, and that's the that's the what can you say challenge for non-believers is that you are thought of as lesser good. <laughs> well, not even actually worse than lesser good, but more of as devils. Yeah. Or devil worshippers. Okay. Something completely extreme. Yeah. They will not look at you as someone who has maybe converted from one religion to another, mm. or maybe you are you are now believing in African traditionalism, because mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know that is another dimension here. Yeah, yeah, yeah because no. that still exists. Mm. Yeah, when if you say you've you're now into say African traditionalism, they'll probably pray for you, they'll fast for you, they do all kinds of things for you. You tell them that you no longer believe in God, they know. And they say you are a completely lost cause. Okay. Or you've been um, you've been converted into devil worship. Mm. Or you have joined the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So all kinds of conspiracy theories yeah. will, will gang up on you, and <coughs> you will literally be alone. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that's that's why it's difficult to say out loud that you're a non-believer exactly. in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Even our politicians can't. Yeah. Because they know the moment they do that, they will not get votes. Okay. <laughs> It does not matter. No. If the president came out today. Yeah. And said that he's a non-believer, which I be, I think he is. Yeah. But if he did come out today and say that he's a non-believer, he would <laughs> lose power. He, even the people who helped he, help him to get yeah. votes yeah. will not do so for okay. that simple reason. Interesting. Mm. So there's a way to go, long way to go. <laughs> a very very long. Yeah. Way to go. Okay. <coughs> yeah. But uh, you still think that there is there will be progress. There will be progress, but that progress has to start somewhere. Mm. 
yeah. first in activism i think we need to make more awareness mm. that not believing is okay yeah that should be the foundation that's the first step yes. yeah that if a person does not believe mm. it is okay yeah if you have to pray for him go ahead and pray <laughs> for him <laughs> yeah but do not discriminate mm. because they do not believe okay yeah. the second step i think should be in our education system because that is where the foundation of the religious faith mm. lies yeah it does not lie in the churches it does not lie in the shrines no it lies right in the middle mm. of our education system yeah from the time our children are in kindergarten mm. um, primary up to secondary we have a curriculum yeah. a set curriculum which inculcates them in the faith yeah and they grow up thinking that these things they are learning in school are just as factual mm. as the biology and physics that they are studying yeah, like science yeah yes. so for a child you shape the brain at that age mm. and as they grow they cannot differentiate between what is factual yeah. and what is fiction yeah yes So I think if we can create more awareness and um, probably have a lot more pressure yeah put on government to remove mm. the religious um courses yeah from compulsory study mm. yeah then they need to get their bible training outside school outside school yeah. let them get them from home yeah. or from church yeah. let it be either a choice of their parents or their own choice yeah but not a choice of the state. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So those will be the first steps. Those mm. I think should be the first steps. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Thank you very much Andrew. It was a pleasure talking to you. Interesting story. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Sure. In the next episode I'll be talking to Don about free speech and creating a community for non-believers. Thanks for listening. You can also follow me on Instagram and on my blog. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, please contact me. For now, I'm doing this at my own expense and I could use some financial support. Thank you.